Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Dream Bigger podcast. I'm your host, Sif, and I'm the founder of Icing and Glitter, which is a blog, Instagram page, and YouTube channel. If you've been tuning into the podcast for a while now, you'll know that I release an episode every Monday, but missed the last two weeks. And the reason is because I'm currently recovering from pretty severe burnout. So I traveled to Italy for a week, which was absolutely incredible. But when I came back, I did not feel like myself at all. I felt really down and was completely unable to produce any creative work. I felt like my brain had suddenly turned into jello. Anyway, for a few days, I didn't even know what was wrong with me at all. So I tried to continue working at my regular pace. And then I finally had a full blown meltdown. Like, guys, I'm talking ugly cry blubbering on the couch. Um, so it wasn't until then that I realized I was dealing with burnout and that I really needed to take a step back from my work and focus on my mental well-being. Anyway, that was about two weeks ago. And while I'm definitely not at my hundred percent yet, I'm on the mend. I've started recording podcast interviews again, so you can expect regularly scheduled programming. So now that I've gotten this whole bit out of the way, let's talk about today's guest, Beverly Chang. Beverly is the founder of Born to Sweat, a fitness blog which evolved into a brand. She's one of the savviest entrepreneurs I've spoken to and is an example of someone who has successfully expanded their social media business into a full-blown brand. While Beverly is a fitness expert, I really wanted to pick her brain on the business side of things. I think you guys are going to learn a ton from her. She has a ton of actionable steps for anyone who's looking to get into the social media world or expand outside of it. But before we get into my conversation with Beverly, I wanted to please remind you to leave the show a review if you feel like it brings you value. It only takes about 30 seconds, but really helps me figure out what you love so I can continue to bring on amazing guests. And with that, let's welcome Beverly to the Dream Bigger podcast. All right, Beverly. So let's start from the beginning. What got you interested in the world of fitness? Uh, well, I have been playing sports since I was like, I could walk basically. Um, and then when I got into high school, I got really more into it, like really competitively. I played every single sport. I played volleyball, soccer really badly. I did track and field. I did wrestling. Wow. I crushed it in badminton. Uh, but the one sport that really stood out for me was rugby. So I got pretty competitive with that. I started playing club. I played at the provincial level. Uh, and then when I went to UBC for school, I played there as well on the varsity team. And then when I graduated from UBC, I was like, 
I don't really want to hit girls anymore. <laughs> I would rather train them. Uh, so then I started my blog at the time, and that was back in like 2013, 2014. And it was just a simple way for me to post workout videos, post recipes, and share all this information with people and my friends who I knew were interested in them, uh, and just like an easy way for them to access it. So I was always into sports, and then I kind of translated over to the gym and working out more. So smart. So you started your blog like right off the bat, right after graduating? Basically, because I stopped playing rugby, so I had so much time in my days. I had like hours and hours that I didn't know what to do with. So I started researching how to create a WordPress site, how to create YouTube videos, how to make thumbnails and do all that. And yeah, so I started it. I graduated 2013 and then I released my first blog post like January 2014. And did you want to use your blog as like a way to also do like personal training or did you just want to use it in a capacity to, I guess, like basically like release workouts and videos? Yeah, I basically just wanted to reach as many people as I could. Uh, most of my friends from UBC knew I was an athlete and were always asking me for workouts at the time and for different healthy recipes. So for me, it was just a way to upload as much content as I wanted and hit as many friends and people and readers as possible. Um, I never really enjoyed the personal training side of things. So I kind of tried to stay away from that as much as I could. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you also right now have classes out of Lululemon, for example, like, do you, did it lead, did your blog lead you into that later on? Yeah, I suppose indirectly. I started with my blog and then that kind of translated into Instagram. That's when Instagram started getting big, sort of 2013, 2014. And then my following started growing on Instagram in 2016. And then from there, Lulu reached out to me and just said that they had space available for their trainers. And it's uh, a little exclusive there. They don't just let any trainer train there. Like you have to have or be able to get enough people out to make it worth it for them to lend you the space. So yeah, they offered it to me. And then I just started running classes there and it kind of just kept growing from that. So smart. I feel like your process has been like very organic. It has been. I feel like a lot, like my entire journey as an entrepreneur and running a fitness business has been very natural and just like flowed one thing to the next. And it wasn't like me trying to search for the next idea. It would just come up very naturally. That's amazing. Yeah. I love hearing that. So if someone is looking to get into the fitness blogging space and wanting to cultivate like a strong community, what are some tips that you can offer them? Mm -hmm. The First and most important thing is that you have to be so obsessed with creating content. When I first started my blog, I was creating like three blog posts a week. And for me, that wasn't even enough. Like I had so many ideas that I wanted to get out there. I was like, how to work out when your ankle is injured, um, like recipes for people who don't eat meat. And I just like wanted to create more and more content as much as I could. So that was, that's the first and most important thing. You have to be so obsessed with these ideas and like being able to provide helpful content to people. Um, secondly, don't just focus on one platform like I have my blog but then my reach and my audience came from Pinterest so creating pinnable images and them getting reshared on there and then sharing it on Instagram and branching out a little bit on YouTube so not just focusing directly on the blog but focusing on the other platforms that will drive traffic to you as well and third, make sure you really understand like everything that's going into it. Understand what SEO is. Understand like what titles um, are going to be clicked. See what trends are happening in the market. Like when avocado toast was a big thing, 
everybody was taking photos of avocado toast and they blew up. So just know like what is big at this moment. So smart. I like that she talked about Pinterest because this is like my life's mission to tell content creators how important it is to capitalize on Pinterest because like it completely changed my business as a content creator when I started using it. And I could not believe that it took me so long to like actually learn how to use it. I fully agree. When it first came out, I said to myself, I was like, this thing will pass. It's it's not going to be around for longer than a couple years. And I'm so mad that I said that to myself. I'm glad I caught on eventually. Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, it drove so much traffic to my blog, but I really didn't realize like the power it had. It's insane. Like I thought it was an urban myth. Like I would hear people being like, oh my God, Pinterest has changed the traffic level onto my blog. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, sure. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know how you've done it. There must be some like miracle recipe that I don't really know. And then I did a course. I think it was like uh, last, actually a beginning of last year. And I was like, holy shit. Like this is, this works and mm-hmm. it's insane. And I had the lady on my um, podcast as well. Cause I was like, people need to hear her. Yeah. It's insane. So are most of, can I ask you a question? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are most of your pins like travel pins or? Yeah, I do a lot of travel. So travel mm-hmm. is like a big category on Pinterest, but I also use like just like normal like outfit pictures and sometimes those are the ones that blow up too yeah so simple it's so simple and then I also drive traffic to my um like to know it like reward style so it's like the commission guys like a reward style is basically like commission yeah um shoppable links to clothes or whatever you're wearing so I drive traffic to there and it's it's so smart and like so yeah. easy so and people want to buy what you're wearing so it's a really good solution for that as well so I'm gonna follow you on Pinterest yeah same girl <laughs> okay so you have had so much success on Instagram as well. So what are some tangible steps you took to grow? Mm, I was consistent. I was very consistent. Before people were making workout videos, I was making workout videos. Like you can go back to like 2013. I was making shitty, shady, grainy videos <laughs> and I made them every week and they would get like you know how metrics like we look at our metrics so much. So I'd post a photo back then. I'd get maybe like 400 likes on a photo and then I'd post a video and get like 100 likes it was like kind of like a hit but I was like you know what whatever some people like these workout videos I'll just keep posting them and then eventually it got picked up by Instagram and they kind of just kept showing it on their explore page and then like really big accounts would feature me so I know that a lot in Instagram has changed like this was a few years ago so that kind of method might not work now but I think consistency is such a big factor um if you have one photo that goes viral or gets really big but you are not somebody who posts all the time people probably won't follow you yet if you do post something that goes viral and they come to your page and see all this other incredible content that you continue to continually put out they'll be like okay there's some value here i want to follow this person and see what else they have um so that's a really big thing and then also just like reaching out to people who are in the same industry as you and seeing how you can collaborate with them and partner with them That's actually both very, very smart pieces of advice. So uh, getting a little technical, like, you know, you were, for example, shared on big accounts. Like, would you tag them? Like, how would you exactly go about doing it? Or did it just happen by chance, like organically? I think at the time, it's kind of hard to remember now. I think a lot of it was just it happened organically. Maybe one 
big account would tag me and then another big account that followed that one would see my page and then they would tag me in another video another time. You can always tag these accounts, but I think now at this point, so many people are tagging them. So it's a little bit harder. Um, but then, oh, this is like not fitness related, but mm -hmm. I had that video of me and my cat that went viral. Okay, that was, I died. <laughs> Guys, if you haven't watched this video, please. Like I, I'm actually going to link to it on the show notes you because should. I died. So that video, at first when I came out with it, I was like, you know what? It's hilarious, but maybe it'll go viral. And then I just tagged all these accounts in it. Nothing happened. And then my friend told me, she's like, you need to actually send it to these accounts. So mm. I sent it. I sent it to like Barstool Sports, Chicks, this, that, whatever, all these big accounts. And it wasn't until like a month later that they were like, we're going to post this. And then they did. And then it kept getting bigger, like Lad Bible picked it up. But it wasn't like I didn't even think about sending it to them. But that's how it went viral. That is amazing. What a great piece of advice. Mm -hmm. Also, I feel like it's really smart that you do make videos because I think nowadays, even personally as a consumer, I lean more towards video content. Yeah. So I think it's it's really great. And like also like it's it's just proof that if it, you know, just start something and like keep going, like be consistent as you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just start something. There's been so many times in my life that I'm like, I'm not ready to put this out, but I do it anyway. And like, it's worked so far. And I feel like if you just kind of keep holding back until it's perfect or until like you just have everything set up, like you're never going to do it. So might as well just like start with one piece of content and then just go from there. Well, they say that you should never really wait for perfection, right? And that's yeah. how we hold ourselves back because it's better to release and then sort of modify based on feedback. And you also learn and figure things out on the way. Like mm -hmm. I, and I think that's such a smart piece of advice because even with my podcast, I remember like listening to the first few episodes and I was like, oh my gosh, like the sound quality is just, it, it hurts my ears. <laughs> but then like, you know, you modify and you learn and you yeah. figure it out. And so. no one, I guarantee you, no one noticed. Yeah. I mean, I, I just feel like it's, it's just better to get started. Yeah. For so sure. grainy videos and all like Bev is where she is now. So <laughs> learn from this. Um, okay. So when you started off like your blog did you just intend on it being a blog or did you always want to turn it more into a business that extended beyond the online space I feel like deep down there was this small part of me that was like maybe I can do something with this at the time I worked full-time in insurance so I was like <laughs> there's got to be more <laughs> maybe I can do something with this um so it was never really my intention until when I started growing on Instagram and I started getting partnerships with different brands and they actually started paying me money at first it was like $50 and I was like $50 like that was the best day of my life but um it wasn't until then that I actually started to think like hey maybe this can actually be a business maybe I can expand <laughs> from the world of insurance into the world of fitness, doing what I want to do. Yeah. And did you think like you would, did you ever see yourself creating like workout programs and, you know, like the sweat games? Like, is that stuff you envisioned somewhere in your mind? Yeah. Deep down, I always said to myself, I was like, my dream life would be, be to get paid to make workout videos. I've always said that to myself. Um, and then just like, like we talked about earlier, it was very organic. Like with the sweat games, I was running outdoor workout classes 
we they were filling up they were like sold out all summer and i was like we need something to kind of like bring this all together and that's kind of like how the sweat games came about just to like bring everybody who had been coming to my workout classes at the end of summer for one big fitness event um and yeah so most of it just like flowed really easily there was nothing that like was like unnatural or I had to push for it. Um, I didn't know that the sweat games were going to come up, but it's just like another part of the brand. That's like, I'm really in love with. Yeah. I mean, I love it. I think you've just been so smart and you've created so much. So I guess that leads us to the next question, which is that, you know, you, you have so much beyond just the born to sweat blog. Like you have your 30 day challenge or your eBooks. I mean, retreat sweat games, as we just said, there's, just so much. And I, I'm wondering what was your first stab at taking your business from online to offline? Like what was the first step that you took? Mm-hmm. From online to offline, I would have to say. Like uh, by offline, I mean like ebook or anything oh, okay, that okay, like, okay. yeah. Like outside of social media. Yes, exactly. The first thing I came out with was the sweat series, which was a 12 week hit ebook. Um, at the time I was doing so much hit work workouts so many hit workouts um so it just seemed natural that I would make an ebook and just like try to sell it I'd come out with a free meal plan like a year before that just I just gave away for free but this is something that I was like I want to see if I can actually sell something that people will buy people follow me for my workouts they might as well follow me for 12 weeks of workouts Mm -hmm. and like purchase it so that was just like a fun little thing that I did um Adam came and took like a whole bunch of photos of me doing different exercises. And then I hired a graphic designer and she just put it into a book. And it like, I remember the day I launched it, like I actually had people buying it. It was like such a, such a good feeling to know that something that I came out with, like people wanted to purchase. So that was the first thing that I made. And that was like, I want to say 2015. So like a year after I kind of really got big into Instagram. And then from there I created 30 days to fit, which is, um, a much more comprehensive program and also more weight training versus high intensity exercises. Um, and that was all video based. And for that one, I started like to spend a little bit more money and then it kind of just kept growing from there. It's yeah. I mean, you've, you've done it in a really smart way. And nowadays I think, more and more entrepreneurs or like social media entrepreneurs are looking to sort of extend their brand beyond just Instagram or their blog. So if say, for example, someone is looking to release an ebook, what are some tips you can give them to like really, um, make it work? Mm -hmm. First tip I would give is do it as cheaply as you can, because this is the first product that you're coming out with. You haven't made any money yet. No one's bought it yet. So don't invest all your money. As we talked about trying to make it perfect, trying to make it amazing. When I came out with the sweat series, the hit ebook, I paid $0 to Adam. He got paid no money to take all these photos of me. Part and parcel of Instagram husband. Oh, yeah. His job description. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Poor guy. Um, So he, yeah, didn't pay Adam for any money. I used my friends, not even kidding. It was like a squash court in her condo. I used a squash court in her condo, so I didn't pay any money for the space. And then the only money I spent was on the graphic designer who put it together. And she did an incredible job, so it was worth it. Um... It was the cheapest thing I've ever made and it still made money. 
when I moved into my next program, which was 30 Days to Fit, I was like, okay, I know this is going to be priced a little bit higher. I know people are actually going to buy it. So now I can start to invest. So I invested money into a developer. I invested money into a website, which it was going to all be hosted on, into like a video hosting site, all these different expenses. But I wouldn't have done that from the beginning. I like if you're coming out with an ebook, take all your own photos, um, borrow a friend's camera, like do watch some YouTube videos on how to take pictures, how to edit and just do it like as cheaply as you can before you start investing all your money into something that you're not 100% sure is going to make it all back or break even. And then once you've seen that proof that you can sell something, then that's when you start to invest more into it. So smart. And how did you like push it out to your audience, I guess, like the first time. And then also with the, the 30 days series, um, Instagram was everything. Uh, I also had some friends in the States. I have some friends in the States who are bloggers as well. And I asked them to talk about it. And this one girl, her, she's given me so much traffic and so many sales. I don't think she even knows. Um, but so that was helpful as well. Just reaching out to people, not necessarily in my industry. Like some of them are food bloggers. Some of them are like lifestyle bloggers, but I just gave it to them. I was like, give me your thoughts. If you want to write a post, write a post. Uh, so that drove a lot of traffic to it. And then with 30 days to fit, mostly Instagram and a large part was my newsletter because at this point I'd grown quite like a decent size subscriber base through my free meal plans and just through like different signups and so newsletter and Instagram okay so I'm gonna sidetrack a little bit and ask you about your newsletter because again I feel like this is something that everyone should be doing and not enough people do so when did you decide to launch a newsletter what inspired you to do so and like how did you get people to sign up mm-hmm Ever since I started a blog, I've been hearing that a newsletter is so important. And pretty much ever since I started a blog, I ignored that advice. <laughs> I just like was like, no, blog posts are where it's at. Um, so it's funny. I didn't even think about starting a subscriber base or starting a newsletter. I just needed a method to give people that seven day or not the seven day, the free meal plan. And funnily enough, I had like over the course of like two years, me just like randomly talking about it. I made like, I got like 3000 subscribers from that. And that was me like not even trying to promote it. So then when I finally, when things finally clicked and I was like, I do need a subscriber base. I do need to like start sending out newsletters. Then I created another seven day free workout program, started promoting that kept growing my subscriber base. So I just kept coming out with these like free lead magnets, um, free pieces of content and people would just subscribe. And then when I send out letters, newsletters, sure, some people unsubscribe, but that's fine because those are the people who aren't going to buy from you anyway. Yeah, you don't want people who are lukewarm about it. Yeah, exactly. So I don't like to think about growing my list as big as I can get it. I want to think about growing my list for people who are interested and engaged with my content. Such a good piece of advice. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that should be really the approach with like anything to do with uh, online businesses, really, because like even with Instagram, like my focus isn't necessarily to grow. It's to engage with the audience that I already have and focus on bringing them the most value and, you know, making them feel as like 
close to the icing and glitter community as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like, it's a really smart piece of advice that you just gave. Um, Okay. So last year, or was it this year you had your fitness retreat? It was last year, wasn't it? No, this year. It was this year. Yeah. I feel like just the year has flown. I can't even keep track. Yeah. Oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to talk to you about how you executed such a massive event from start to finish. Like, Walk me through everything from coming up with the idea to what you did to make it a success. Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of lied earlier when I said it was my dream to just make workout videos all day long. It's also been my dream to uh, run workout classes somewhere hot. That <laughs> two dreams. Anything I guess. to escape this. Well, not this, but Toronto <laughs> winters suck. Yeah. No. Exactly. Um, I wanted to combine my love for travel and my love for fitness in the most authentic way possible. One of my best friends works in the travel industry. She's huge into travel. She does the marketing for a big hotel chain in Mexico. Um, And so we actually came up and started talking about this idea back in 2015. I used to train her, uh, one of like the only people I ever would train. And we used to talk about it all the time. Back then, I'm glad we didn't do it because we don't know half the things that we do know now. Um, So yeah, that kind of, that's when the idea started. And then last year, so first, what's 2019? So yeah, last year, 2018, we started really talking about it. We sent an email out to her hotel, told them everything we wanted to do, all the people we wanted to bring, everything. And when they came back and said we were approved, they sent us over our contract, the room rates. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put down money. So I put down 5,000 US dollars as the first deposit. And as soon as I did that, I was like, okay, like there's no backing out now. I've put down this money. This is the first time I've really invested this much money into my business and put like took that risk. So from then on, it was kind of full force forward. It took a year of planning. We had to find a platform to sell the retreat on. We had to figure out our branding, our logos, like the images that we were going to use. We created our Instagram account. We had to figure out pricing, how we were going to do all the flights, all the stuff. A lot of logistics went into it. So I would say it took us about a year from the inception of the idea to actually hosting the retreat. Um, but it went, it went really well because my friend does all the logistics. She's the one who handled everything with the hotel, all the flights, all the, like all the participants flights, uh, hotel rooms. And then obviously I handled the marketing, all the social media, getting the people out and then the workouts as well. What tips do you have for marketing a program like this? Because it is of course, like a little more expensive than something else would be. But I think it's, it's something really smart because it's one of those things like you're investing in yourself and having a good time doing it, you know? So how Mm -hmm. did you like push it? The first thing I would have to say is like, try not to get down on yourself when people don't sell this thing out right away. Um, the first few months we had five people sign up and I was so depressed for so long because I thought we would have had way more sales. In the end, we did get a ton more sales, like really close to before we left. But that's the first thing I would say. Don't like, don't expect it to sell out or be amazing as soon as you put it out. Like you have to constantly talk about it, constantly promote it. So that's something that even my partner had to tell me. She was like, you need to talk about this more. So that's what I did every single week. I was talking about the ultimate sweat away in my stories. I would post a workout video saying like, 
prepping for the ultimate sweat away. I would post a video or a photo of my food. I'd say, can't wait to like eat Mexican food on the ultimate sweat away. So that's just one thing. Like you have to constantly be on it. You can't just talk about it once or twice and leave it at that. It has to be a weekly, almost daily thing. Second thing we did is create an ultimate sweat away Instagram account. It is so important. It's not just being able to see my account and seeing what's there. It's being able to see an actual account for the event um, because people want to see like what they're going to be getting into, like what the hotel looks like. I'm not going to be posting pictures of a hotel on my personal account, you know, like pictures of the beach, but on the event page, definitely you can do that. Um, figuring out your branding, the colors. We wanted like light blue, like the water. We wanted things to be bright and sunny. So just kind of going through that and like putting it all together and making sure everything looked really cohesive. Um, yeah, there was a lot, a lot that went into it. Oh, I bet. It's a huge undertaking and a huge accomplishment for you as well for having executed it so well. Like, I mean, the fact that you sold out and it was your first retreat, that's pretty huge. Yeah, it was, it was a really good feeling. <laughs> Did you hit any speed bumps along the way? You know what? It actually went scarily smoothly, but I also think it's because we spent so long putting it together. Had we tried to throw every, throw everything together in six months, there definitely would have been speed bumps. Um, we went through a few speed bumps logistically because we thought we had some support from the Mexican tourism board and from another player in the game. And then last minute they kind of pulled out, which meant we had to put our own money into the things that they were going to provide to us. But the first retreat was not about making money anyway. It was just about the exposure, the publicity and getting to meet people who I wouldn't normally get to meet. So it wasn't, it's just knowing that there are going to be things that come up last minute that you don't expect. And also to just not rely on people. That sounds really negative, but like you can only rely on yourself and your business partner if they put money into it as well. Everyone else has no reason to do something for you. So like really try to minimize the number of players that are in the game and just like keep it as close together as possible. Yeah, it's smart. I mean, I feel like the only variable you can really control is whatever you are handling yourself. So it makes sense. Also, yeah, I mean, the the point you're making about it being more about publicity. Yeah, like I absolutely agree because that first thing is your like little experiment, I guess, and seeing what works and again, like modifying from there. And now, you know, like how to push your next one. Yeah, no, totally. This next one is going to be, I hope, a cakewalk because we're going to pretty much do everything the same, same hotel, same itinerary or similar itinerary. So it's not going to be nearly as uh, as much planning as before. Love it. Um, and when is your next one? Just so everyone knows in case they want to oh. attend. Uh, this next one is November 4th to the 10th. Very cool. So speaking of the retreat, um, you use your brand to really promote this idea of balance. It's like a work hard at your fitness, but also enjoy that drink sort of approach. And it makes fitness, I feel, seem a lot more approachable and realistic for the everyday person. Like, I, I just I think it's really nice that you don't intimidate people. You know, it's not just, oh, like I'm eating clean 24 seven and it's just you can't do it because it's not realistic. Um how do you balance being a fitness entrepreneur while also living this like very balanced life? Mm -hmm. 
I have always considered fitness to be like, like I love working out. I love it so much, but I don't love it to the extent that that's all I want to do. I don't want to just have like eat clean 24 seven. I don't want to just work out, go home, drink water and eat salmon. Like that to me, just that just sounds so boring. But I work out so hard because I know that I'm completely happy and comfortable crushing some dim sum on a Sunday when I'm kind of hungover. I'm completely comfortable having a half a pizza on a movie night. Um, These things make fitness just that much more enjoyable for me. Uh, It makes me appreciate being able to work out and even like work off sometimes the stuff that I ate and drank the night before um to me it's all like one big circle if it was just if i just ate like crap and drank all the time and never worked out that would be unbalanced if i just worked out all the time and drank water and ate salmon that would be unbalanced but having everything together to me is just like it comes full circle yeah i think it's this is what I'm saying. Like, I feel like it just makes fitness seem so much more approachable. Right. And like, I do think that right now there's this like growing epidemic of orthorexia. Like I've had an eating disorder specialist come on the podcast and we've talked about this. And I feel like the fitness industry can sometimes mask this disordered way of eating and living life. And it's nice to see someone in the industry who is so much more realistic. I don't even want to get started sometimes because I love Instagram. I love what it's done for my business, but I also hate it. And I hate that we give so much like, like, I don't even know what the word is, not support, but we admire these girls who are so thin with huge butts. And we look at that as like, that's the way I should look. And we see it all the time. These accounts have millions and millions of followers. So it's like, you know, that girls are looking at these girls just thinking like, that's what I need to look at. But that is so unrealistic. Like, I don't care what you think. Like that is completely unrealistic. And either they're not eating as much as they should, or they're a complete anomaly. Like no one looks like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's something that it's like really bothers me. And I'm proud of what I do because I feel like I have a very strong female body and it's not about having a tiny skinny waist and like a huge ass. It's about having like a strong back and like legs that I can do 50 squat jumps in a row with and being able to do a pull-up and these kind of things it's not about just like having this hourglass body with like arms that it can't do anything with you know like and I'm proud that I promote that and I just feel like it's it's tough to always be like against an industry and a huge social media platform that promotes the opposite of that so often yeah and I think that it I mean it's funny right because the 90s and early 2000s everyone was like this like thinspo and now we've gone to this like almost like this this cart the kardashian effect right but then like it's also unhealthy if that is again like the new unrealistic beauty standard like it's just Mm -hmm. not real like i know i know i could go on and on about this and i won't yeah but it's just it does bother me oh absolutely and i saw I, i remember a few months back i think you did a post about like your quads and i thought that that was amazing like i thought that that was amazing that you own that part of your body and that you talk about being strong and you know like the people who have 
have a problem with that or like say, oh, like your quads are too big. I think, first of all, it's absolutely ridiculous. Like I can't even believe that people think this way. But Mm -hmm. I think it's so nice that you're open about that and you're vocal about it. And people, more people need to be more vocal about it, I think. Mm -hmm. One thing that I do and that like I I know it's not easy to do, but I would still I'm still going to say it anyway, is that I really take to heart the compliments that people give me when people say they think I have really great legs or they like that like I have nice hamstrings or whatever some silly comment I really take that to heart and I keep that with me and then when someone says something unkind about my body I I just don't I don't give it any meaning I don't give it any attention and I feel like that has helped me so much with my confidence and being able to walk around and hold my head high um and it's not an easy thing to do of course like the negative things that people say will always stick to you but when you really like take into account and like appreciate and think about the compliments that you are given that's like when I find your mindset mindset starts to shift well it's it's like focusing on the positive and also I think like being in the social media industry it it can be difficult if you don't have a thick skin right like I have trolls saying all kinds of garbage to me like every other day Mm -hmm. but the way I deal with it and I think the way so many of us deal with it is just to know that that is their own insecurity and it's just not your problem what they think of you like that's their problem and they Mm -hmm. can deal with the negativity you focus on the positive and you have a very supportive community who really looks up to you and you know you focus on that yeah for sure 100 percent. so while we are on the topic I guess about balance let's talk about bouncing back after a super indulgent weekend um what's your plan of action for people as a person who has had many indulgent weekends the last <laughs> many weekends, um, I, okay, so first thing I like to do Sundays, if I've had a crazy indulgent weekend, like lots of drinking, lots of dim sum, lots of French fries, Sunday night, I try to like really just kind of focus on the good things. So I'll try to have tea because I don't know, tea just makes me feel like I'm being healthy. <laughs> <laughs> it's I don't know something I love about it. tea makes you healthy um I'll prep a bunch of food the night before for the week I'll make sure I've gone grocery shopping that day and really gotten like all the healthy things I'll grab salmon Greek yogurt like spring mix just all healthy things um the next day I will hit a workout so hard on Monday I will go until like my legs are shaking not you don't have to do that but that's what I want to do that's like how I feel good I feel like I'm using all those extra calories and I'm putting them into growing my ass or growing my thighs or whatever it is um second thing is third thing I don't even know where I'm at Uh, just really focus on eating clean and drinking lots of water throughout the day if you don't feel hungry don't force yourself to eat. And I think that's something that we're getting a bit better at. But for so long, people would wake up and they're like, it's time to eat breakfast because it's the morning. But if you're still full from the night before, I mean, it's, it's OK to not eat breakfast that morning. It's just logic. And yeah. Or just eat it a little bit later when you actually do feel hungry. Don't just do something because of routine or because you think you're supposed to like listen to your body. And then I just chug water like four or five liters of water just these things whether or not they actually really do much like for me mentally they really help and I think the mental part is such a big player in if you've had a really indulgent weekend um and so if you can do these small things that make you feel better mentally like you're you're gonna get over it real quick yeah I think it's what you're saying it, it is a mental thing right because the way your body 
processes the food once it's gone it's like you know it's 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 gone and you, you like every meal is a chance to start fresh like every day is a chance to start fresh and I think yeah like doing things that make your body feel good and feel like you're giving it the jump start it needs like that's all you really need to do after like an mm-hmm. indulgent weekend I guess yeah use those calories and lift heavy and just like go hard I love it. Um, Okay, so say someone has zero experience with fitness. What is a good place to start? I think a lot of the time when people have very little experience, they go in like head first and start going to five Barry's boot camps a week. Um, I would never recommend that. You need to start slow and ease your way into it because if you go too extreme and go like balls to the wall the first month, you're going to hate it. You're going to be sore every single day. You're going to be so tired. You're not going to know how to schedule your time and organize your time correctly. And you're going to fall off the wagon. I see it happen all the time. So start slow, figure out a routine and a schedule that works for you. Maybe that's just going three times a week, uh, to a 30 minute workout class at your gym, or maybe that's three times a week. You're going for a 60 minute run, whatever it is, take it slowly, just ease your way into it. There are a lot, there are a lot of workout programs out there just through different influencers, but I would always recommend doing your research and like reading reviews and seeing what other people say, reading the testimonials, like following up with people who wrote the testimonials and like actually getting their advice and being like, do you think this is good for a beginner? Because of course, if you reach out to the person who wrote the program, they're gonna be like, yeah, it's great for you, buy it. They just want your money. But if you actually reach out to the people who wrote testimonials, which there are always so many, you can see them on Instagram um, and get that'll really be able to give you like a really clear idea of whether that program will work for you. I love that tip. I never even thought of doing that. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think it's a great way to get a realistic understanding of like what level you have to be at to like properly execute certain workouts. I think Mm -hmm. that's such a good piece of advice. Okay. So last question, what are your top three tips for someone looking to shape up? Hmm. Lift weights. Don't be afraid of lifting weights. My one thing. Okay. I'm totally going to get on. No, no, no. (laughs) I think it's, I think it's important that we talk about this. Okay. Awesome. So the one thing that I notice as someone who teaches group fitness classes is I will see the same girl for a year lift the same two weights for the same exercise for a year and she does not push herself this is not everyone but it is so easy to get into this mentality that you just like go back to what you're comfortable with no push yourself how else are you going to grow muscle if you just keep using the same weight for the same exercise over and over and over don't pick up those 15s next time pick up the 20s maybe you won't be able to do as many reps that's how exercise works You're not just going to be able to pick up a heavier weight and pump out the same number of reps as you would with the lower weight, but you are going to get stronger over time. So use those weights and don't be afraid to challenge yourself and push yourself and pick up something heavier. That's the first thing. Second thing is make sure you love it. Like I said, I love working out, but that's because I work out in a very specific way. If I had to go and do Pilates and bar, I would (laughs) not do it. I would just not. I was like, I'm not going to go there. I would, no, I wouldn't do it. Like I would, couldn't be able to do that. So as long as you find something that actually like 
puts a passion and a fire into your heart, like stick with that. If you love running, stick with that. Make sure you're supplementing it with weight training to stay healthy and stay functionally fit, but find something that you really love. Otherwise you're not going to want to keep doing it. And the third thing, this is kind of deep, is like really figuring out what is the reason you want to keep working out. Like what is the reason you want to get strong? What is the reason you want to be able to do a pull-up? Because if you can't keep coming back to that, then you're not going to be able to keep the discipline and keep that motivation to keep going. Um, So whether it's just being able to stay fit for your children so you can like keep running around with them or you want to be able to do a pull-up because It's just something that someone you've admired has been able to do it. And like you want that kind of upper body strength, whatever it is, you need to be able to define it and come back to that. And those are not really like tips. Like it's not being like me being like squat, but it's a little bit more deeper than that. I think, I think it is. Those are great tips because I think that there is this misconception, for example, that a certain type, you have to do a certain type of workout to look a certain way. But if you hate it, A, you're never going to be able to stick to it. B, like it's, it's going to become this like mundane thing and like, you're going to hate it. Why hate this part of your life that can actually be really amazing. Mm -hmm. So I think like, it is so important. Like this is such a great piece of advice. And I feel like, like, every fitness person that I have spoken to talks about this and because it is that important like even for me personally like I remember when I was younger I thought that the way I had to get fit was like to run but I hate running and no matter what I do I just can't get into it and I've come to the I've come to terms with the fact that that's okay like Mm -hmm. there are other things out there for me and I can get fit through other means aside from running you know so I think it's a great piece of advice and like even what you said about like moving up with weights, like I think it's so important. And I think a lot of women are actually scared of like becoming bulky. And like, I've heard this and I'm like, that's not true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think it would take a lot for a woman to be bulky. Like it's, yeah. it's just like, it's quite difficult. So yeah, I think it's just such a misconception. So I think like these are great pieces of advice and like totally actionable as well. Mm-hmm, for <laughs> sure. For sure. Okay, Bob, thank you so much for being here. Tell everyone where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at Beverly Chang on Instagram and I know everyone's going to spell that wrong. So <laughs> I will <laughs> assume you will put that in the notes. Yes. <laughs> and you can find me at born to sweat.co. Amazing. Thank you so much. Wait, do you want to receive a short email from me with exclusive content every week? Sign up to the Icing and Glitter newsletter and I'll send you my top five skincare secrets along with a weekly email with bite-sized tips and tricks, giveaways, recipes, and so much more. I'll leave the details in the show notes.